Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Centered, Committed, Confident. I'm your co-host, Cody Rogers. I'm Regan Erickson. And I'm Hannah Erickson. And this podcast exists to help you center your life on Christ, commit yourself to discipleship, and become more confident in the Word of God. Welcome back to our series slash segment. It's probably like segment. It's probably the best yeah. word, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome back to our, our time of focusing on the new city catechism. We are in question three today. And it's uh, it's just a light one, just a, a yeah. so light. very easy, yeah. a simple topic, really. Very. Yeah, I mean, one that you can clearly just open up scripture and point to one verse and yep. be like, see, that's oh, yeah. that's that's Absolutely. why everybody understands it, of course, from the beginning. So uh, I speak with sarcasm because uh, today's uh, topic involves speaking of. Uh, the Trinity. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, spoiler alert, <laughs> we're talking about the Trinity. Um, I say, let's, let's just dive right into it. Yeah. Um, we've had this format we've been following, so it should be pretty easy to, to know where we're heading at least. Um, the question is question three, and it is, how many persons are there in God? Now, the first little portion of our episode is, how would the world answer that question? Um, so... How would the world answer a question like, how many persons are there in God? And I, I, I'm going to start out this one and just say, um, I feel like the world would evaluate the question in the first place. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, just because just asking how many persons are there in God implies an answer, right? Implies yeah. that there's multiple, that there's not just one. Because if there's one, you wouldn't have to ask that question because mm-hmm. it's innate within us that, yeah, you know, you're one person. So... Um, so they they might challenge the 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 question itself in that way, but let's just let's just go about this. How do you, how does the world go about trying to define um, the being that is God, in in terms of you know we call it his persons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how, how, you know let's, let's get at that a little bit. I think like at least in America, the you kind of see people going on two sides of the spectrum, where they either are really like hitting on the three aspect of uh, the Trinity. And so uh, a lot of these people use it as an argument to try and um, argue against Christianity, but to say that you're actually, you don't believe in one God, you believe in three gods. Um, Or you'll have people on the um, other side where they're so focused on trying to preserve the unity of the Lord that they almost describe it as uh, three expressions of God in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and um, don't enable the distinctiveness between the yeah. three parts. Yeah. Cause spoiler alert, then the second question, how scripture answers it, answers yeah. it with three, three people, mm-hmm. right. Which we'll get into the official answer in a minute, but yeah, that's really good. So we're not even just asking, how does the world answer this? We might be asking how do other religions answer this? Yeah. Right? That's, yeah. that may be a, a better talking point to come to the table with. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I'm not extremely experienced in this, but I know like Muslims will bring that argument and we, we, they say that Christians worship three gods instead of one. And um, Jewish people. And right? Jewish the, people the, the do Jew, that too. The Jews will do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say in terms of, uh, are you, do you have anything to add to that, Hannah, before I, I move it on? No, you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll add to that and say uh, maybe... Maybe people don't realize they're answering the question this way, but um, spiritualists, deists, um, the universalists—they're going to answer that God is many persons, mm-hmm. right? Oh, that yeah. He is thousands of persons. Um, and like I said, they may not view it this way, but this is essentially what they're answering: is that if they believe every God is ultimately 
the one God, right? Mm-hmm. If any, any religion can lead, lead you to heaven or, or whatever they call the, the afterlife, they're, they're really saying that, that Krishna and Allah and, um, you know, these multiple gods, um, even when you think like the Greek pantheon and, and mm-hmm. the, the Roman pantheon, right? Um, Zeus and, and Mars and all that, they're, they're saying that those are all God. Therefore, God is multiple persons to, yeah. to someone that is a, a, a spiritualist mm-hmm. or universalist. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything to add to that. I, I also think that a lot of people will answer three in one without really putting any thought into what that actually means. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think many, you know, many Christian, like you said, um, and even if we have maybe a idea of why we get that out of scripture, we may not understand why we take such care to call it what we do or to yeah. define mm-hmm. it the way we do. You know, it's um, the study of, of the Trinity is a very deep theological concept. Yeah. So we're not going to dive into all of it today. It's meant to just get a nice overview, brief uh, glance, um, and to, and to have some good discussion on it. So I think that covers it for how the world mm-hmm. might answer that question. Um, so let's let's get into how does Scripture answer the question. And of course, we're going to start with um, what the New City Catechism says, and then we will dive into a Scripture that supports it. So with the question being, how many persons are there in God? The answer in the New City Catechism is, there are three persons in the one true and living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance and equal in power and glory. That's a heavy hitter. We'll break it down in a minute. Um, Can someone read the scripture for me that supports it? Yeah, the scripture comes from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. It says, the grace of the... Excuse me. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Okay. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So so why do we think that this is here? One thing that I noticed, I was kind of curious why they chose this one. It it doesn't jump out to me right away, but this is the very last thing Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians. It's literally the last sentence. And so it kind of sticks out to me that this is the last thing he wanted them to know. And the last thing he wanted them to know included the Lord Jesus, God, the father and the Holy spirit. That they, they should be listed all within the same sentence. Yeah. And, and I think that's why they chose this. It's Mm -hmm. a great example of Mm -hmm. one, one scripture that lists that there are, uh, three persons, yep. right? I mean, we come to know them as persons, but mm-hmm. um, it lists all three of them in one sentence. Yeah. Um, can, can we get to a few other scriptures that just would be good spots to that support the idea that there are three persons in God? Yeah. First Peter chapter one has um, Trinitarian aspects to it. Uh, it's specifically verse two says a phrase that according to the foreknowledge of God, the father and the sanctification of the spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. Great. Really explicit there. Great. Um, the great commission mm-hmm. is yeah. a really great example, right? Baptizing them in the name of the father, the son and the Holy spirit to say in the name of, and then to proceed it with three um, persons with three you know, titles or, mm-hmm. three, you know, I don't want to use the word title cause that's not actually what it is, but 
um, shows that they are of equal significance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I'm, if I am, yeah. if, if I dedicate my son in the name of myself and my wife, the idea is that, um, my wife and I have equal power in, in him being dedicated. That's a really right? good point. I so, like that. Uh, there's one, there is another example I'm thinking of, um, anybody Baptism remember? of Jesus. Yes. Okay, exactly. that's what I was going to yep. say. I was like, I, was, I don't know. So, it's not one single verse. For those I don't know what you, they're going for. for. For everyone that's you know clearly just listening, I was like looking at Hannah and was like, <laughs> I want to give you a chance to talk, Hannah. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? It was. I was thinking that. Yeah, because you it's see the, the Father speaking to the Son and to the descending of the Holy Spirit. And so you see all three persons acting at one um, time. Yeah, and I think that's crucial um, we can't get into all the heresies that happen, oh <laughs> like modalism, and we can't get into all those. Uh, but it's crucial to see that God isn't one of those things at one time, that in the baptism of Jesus, God is all three of those at one time. Yep. Right? Have you guys have had have you guys ever had someone try to explain the Trinity with some inanimate object before? Have you ever heard of that? So like I first heard about the Trinity as um, and it breaks down in so many ways. So it's not a good example, but like an egg. Yeah. And so there's the like heard. the shell and the white and the yolk or like the stages of water. And I think that like that's what you're talking about. I, it, uh, those examples can't work right. because God is all the things at once. He isn't these three parts of an egg. Yeah. Like, and so I think like that's how it's described so often, but it still fails to actually um, explain the Trinity in its fullness. Yeah, and it, it's hard because those examples actually can be used to support wrong things, right? Mm-hmm. So like modalism, the idea that the Lord essentially takes a certain mode at a certain time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The water one can support that. So if you say like, you know, H2O and its in its forms can be uh, a solid, a liquid, mm-hmm. and, a, and a gas, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. And so what you say is when it's hot out, then water is this way. When it's cold out, water is another way. And they will use that to explain that God is in mode. So when he works with humans, he's working, um, you know, he worked in history with Jesus. He's working in you with the spirit. And then when he's not working in us, he's God the Father. And they'll they'll separate them and say God only speaks in certain ways. And, mm. and that, that's just, that's why the baptism of Jesus to me is so important because it shows that God is all three at once working yeah. in unity together, right? Yeah. That when the Lord, when the, when God the Father is about to declare one of the most important things in all of history, that the Son of God is there for redemption and and to satisfy the sins, uh, you know, that have been brought on by man, um, it is God the Father, it is the Spirit, and it is the Son that are mm-hmm. all together in order for the in this moment of history that um, all three persons are in complete unity as mm-hmm. to the what should happen and the desire of what's happening. Yeah, I think that's so important to understand that there isn't anything that God does as just one person in the Trinity, that they are completely in unison at all times. Like we see in creation, and we see both um, the Father creating, we see the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, and then in John 1, we found that the Son was also there, and He was being, and he was part of the creation process, yep. and it wasn't as individuals, it was as the Godhead complete. Yeah, and we, and we see the Spirit of the Lord act um, explicitly in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Jesus teaches on the Spirit, um, says that the Spirit is going to be coming. The Spirit is is used back and forth as the Spirit of truth and the Spirit of Christ, like mm-hmm. they're synonymous. It is the same name. So there's the idea that the Holy Spirit is his own being, but also he is Christ, mm-hmm. right? Like he's the Spirit of Christ. 
but also he is he is giving us uh, the will of the Father to be sanctified, right, and to look mm-hmm. more like Christ. And the Spirit is also being used even in interceding on our behalf. And there's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's it's a whole mess of stuff that we can't possibly dive into in yeah. the next couple minutes. I do want to just sort of wrap everything up. Um, we've talked about some scriptures. We've made, I, I don't want to say assumptions, but we've made some quick summaries because we don't have time to dive into each scripture. But let's talk about and just point out specifically how the verses we've brought up or the things we've talked about uh, relay or tie into this sentence that it uses to answer it, right? So there are three persons in the one true and living God. So three persons we've already identified through uh, Corinthians, through Peter, through Mm -hmm. John, the the baptism of Jesus Mm -hmm. there, through the, in Matthew with the great commission. So we've, we've listed that there are three specific Mm -hmm. persons that are attributed as God, right? Because the spirit is as well. He's attributed as the spirit of Christ, which is God, right? Um, There there are examples in the Old Testament where God is at work um, or there are things on behalf of God that are at work but are not listed as God. Like what are some examples of beings that work on behalf of God but are not worshiped as God? Angels. angels. Yeah, angels, exactly. Like that's the easiest go-to, right? The angel mm-hmm. of the Lord comes. Um, and, and so um, now we can get into types of Christ and Christophanies <laughs> and all I have those big things. feelings about that yeah, one. Oh, yeah. but, Another podcast. But there are clearly angels who work on behalf of God who are not worshipped and not treated as God, mm-hmm. right? But then there are, you know, these three persons we see are God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So... That part's easy. I think the one true and living God is sort of a, a a stab to just the idea that, you know, just making sure we drive in the knife of like he is living, like he is mm-hmm. active, he is present, and he's one true, yeah. like mm-hmm. fighting against those that claim that we believe in multiple gods, right? I mm-hmm. think that's that's why they summarize that sentence that way. Yeah. We have to have that tension of three and one, and yet you just have to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they listen to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which we've already established there. Here's the sentence I want to just talk for a minute. They are the same in substance and equal in power and glory. What is what? Why did they choose the word substance? I think that one is so interesting because, like, when I think about God the Son, once he incarnated, like, was he still the same substance mm. as the Father and the Spirit? Is that, like, his... Since he was 100% God, 100% man, his godness is the same substance, but his flesh is separate. That part really confused me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't, like, I really don't have a good idea of why they chose substance. I'd like to know what they defined as yeah. substance because I, I did a quick Google of it for the definition, and it, like, it talks about a physical object for the definition, but some of them are a little bit more ambiguous. I'm, I just don't quite fully understand it. Yeah. I think part of it is they're not made out of different things. Right. Mm-hmm. So like there, it's not a greater deity or a lesser deity. Like for me, when I read it, I think like, okay, they probably could have used the word deity. Like they are the same in deity, right? Mm-hmm. They're they the same in divineness. I think that's what they mean by substance. Like there's the substance of earth and man and the substance of the divine. Mm-hmm. And I think what they're trying to say is that because even Jesus, when we talk about that, he's called the God man, mm-hmm. yeah. right? meaning that 
the God part is the exact same deity, is the exact same substance in that form, the same divineness yeah. that is in God the Father is the same divineness that is in the God man of, of Christ. Mm-hmm. And then also in yeah, the, the I Holy agree Spirit. Yeah, divineness so, is a good word. So substance is weird because we think of it as like a physical object. Yeah, yeah right? or, or like they're all spirit. You know, like mm-hmm. they aren't physical where you can touch them. Yeah. But then that's why I got confused because yeah. and, and incarnate I, Christ, you can touch. Yeah. And I could see why they wouldn't use this, why they would say they're the same in spirit because obviously uh, the Holy Spirit is, you know, he is yeah. like that would get a little confusing there. Yeah. Also spirit can be misleading to, yeah. you know, uh, anybody reading this who believe in spirits of the deceased, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't want to assume that or, you know, Define God as the same as those that have 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 lived on Earth and been deceased. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a little weird, but to me, that's not nearly as weird as last week's when we we're asking what well, yeah. is God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, this is way better than yeah. that. Um, equal in power and glory. Let's. Uh, we have just a couple minutes. We're running short on our podcast today, just because the time we're recording right before CrossCon and everything like that. But let's just take a minute. Equal in power. How do you, how do we reconcile that in our brains? Because it seems like there's, there's things that like, it seems like God, the father is more powerful, right? Yeah. So why, why shouldn't we say that? Or how can we come to a better understanding of that? What do you think? I think this is where the whole unity of their work comes in. That since they aren't actually acting as individual entities, that they're power is equal across them because they are acting in all things it is from God, um, through the son, by the spirit and everything that they do. And so they're equal in power as they're accomplishing all of those acts. Yeah. There are different roles, but if they have different, like if one's more powerful than the other, then everything breaks down that we've been talking about. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, Marriage is a, a flawed example, but a good example of like my wife and I are equal in our worth, right? Or we're equal in our or equal in our power in the in the yeah. sense of, you know, like I'm I'm not a a more um I'm trying to, to word this well. One, so I don't offend people, but two also so that I don't say something that's not true. Um my wife and I are equal in who we are as humans mm-hmm. and and we're equal in the marriage, right? Like I am not innately more important than she is mm-hmm. and she is not more important than I am, but we have roles to fulfill that we are, uh, f- you know, flawed in submitting to because we're not the divine, right? Yeah. We're not perfect, <laughs> but we have roles that work together. And if we're both in unity with are perfect for each other and we're, we're both in the same motivation towards, right? So my roles are head of the household, you know, shepherding my family, her roles, uh, being, the helper and the homekeeper and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't want to get too much into these, um, on this podcast, but I think that's a good example of like, we have, we both have the same will, you know, when we're on the same page, we both have mm-hmm. the same will and we're working together perfectly. And, and it's not that one of us is more powerful than the other. Mm-hmm. It's that we have, uh, roles that we uh, are all in agreement. We should fulfill. And the father, son, and the Holy spirit are the same way. Yeah. Right? Now those roles we can talk about a different time, but yeah, clearly sure. there's you know God the Father uh, and the Son, right? The Son is submissive to the Father, and the and the Father exalts the Son, 
And, you know, so there's this up and down, back and forth, and it's through the power of the spirit that all, all this is done, you know? Um, so they all have different ways to interact based on even who God is interacting with, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But they are not they are not different based on who they're interacting yeah. with. Um, God is all three at once. He's not changing into each one based on, you know, who, who happens to show up. Yeah. Um, anything to add to that or any things that you guys think I need to clarify? I think, I think that's great. Just knowing that the Trinity is not in a power struggle to be like the most powerful. Like they're so satisfied yeah. in their role and in their relationship and that they existed forever in that perfect unity yeah. and will continue through eternity to exist in that perfect unity as mm. three persons in one and in community. Mm-hmm. Right. So it like that's uh, in Trinitarian theology. One of the major things is like God is in, in community. He's in union. Right. Mm-hmm. And and we are meant to be in the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we can get into that in a separate time, but these are all things to just start thinking about when it comes to, the Trinity. Our last question, I think, should be a pretty easy answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you live this out in your life? If you truly believe that God is uh, three persons in one, how do you? How, what does that look like as a believer to believe that? I actually didn't think this was an easy one. <laughs> well, I think it's easy because I don't think there's too many nuances of answer. Is, is yeah. what I should say. Like, I don't think it's gonna look differently in every person's life. Yeah. Like I think some of these like will. so many of these, these things we talk about, it leads us to worship that we have this God that we can't even fully comprehend. And that's a good thing that he is perfect in power and in glory. And each um, of the three persons within him are all um, perfect and wonderful and worthy of our praise and our worship. And that's what it should be reflecting in our hearts and our lives. Yeah, and, the, and we have like, assurance. I, at least I feel like there's like a lot of assurance that comes out of this because Jesus in like complete, you know, he is God. His work is complete. The spirit sealing that in us is complete. The father and his love and, you know, and how that all works out in our salvation is complete. And we can have hope and know that, you know, one of them wasn't strong enough and failed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I would just add to those that Another way it plays out in your life is um, in how you live out your faith um, and that you're not alienated one of them, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are people that really believe you shouldn't worship Jesus mm-hmm. um, because it's God the Father that is the ultimate God, right? Well, that mm-hmm. shows an improper balance of the Trinity mm-hmm. and the Father's role in exalting the Son above all things, mm-hmm. right? Um, or, you know, Jesus being worshiped at the end of times. Um, so, there's that aspect. Like, if you put too much emphasis on any one of them, then you're not really playing this out, right? So yeah. that goes into charismaticism and leaning on the spirit, right? If you put so much emphasis on the spirit and the work that it does, um, you are grossly manipulating the Trinity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and how they're all equal in power and will and glory. And so um, I think that that's, I'd say it plays out in our lives by it's a good thing to evaluate. If we're focusing on only one of them, we could be to the detriment of our discipleship. Yeah. Um, heading in a direction that is not glorifying to the Lord. And I'd say that it should also be an encouragement maybe to add more of it into your life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of times, just let's say it as it is, um, people in our denomination, it's usually Father, Son, and Holy Bible, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is not involved. And and so maybe that means, yeah, actually acknowledging um, Him, acknowledging the Spirit and and praying and 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 seeking uh 
him to speak to you, like that it's not, you know, just the word guiding you, but it's the spirit as well and, and trusting him for sanctification and things like that. So quick overview of the Trinity, but it was a good discussion. Yeah. I felt like we were pretty concise, which is great yeah. and clear. We're talking about the Trinity. It's hard to be sometimes. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. I, yeah. go, I wasn't sure us. how this was going to go. <laughs> go, us. go us. We probably missed something a, a lot. But if we haven't made one thing clear, it's okay for this to be confusing. Yeah. It's very difficult. Yeah. this And that's part of the catechism, right? It's giving the answer so that we can come back to it and, and constantly be adding to that. But it's, it's like we're essentially creating different buckets that we drop our knowledge into mm-hmm. as we go. So I think that's going to do it for us today. Um We'll hit up the next question. The, the next time we get together, all these podcasts should be releasing pretty much every Monday at this point for the foreseeable future. So thank you so much for joining us. If you made it to the end, uh, bless you for sticking it out as we talked about this confusing <laughs> subject. Just know uh, we love you. We're praying for you. And we'll see you next time. Bye.